Airline Pilot Guy, episode 285.5. Listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door. I'm Captain Jeff, your host, broadcasting live from Lake Kiowee, South Carolina, a beautiful lake house here. We'll call it the Lake House Studios. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about what we're doing here, and we're going to talk about a little bit of feedback, maybe, and that's pretty much it. It's just kind of a free for all. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in their upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. Flight 285.5 is ready for pushback. Hello and welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. I'm Captain Jeff, your host, broadcasting, as I said, from this beautiful lake house in, on Lake Kiowee, South Carolina. And uh, we're here, well... You probably already know this because if you follow us on social media, you know that uh, there was this uh, total eclipse yesterday, and uh, we we were here to uh, witness that. Oh, yeah, I say we. I should introduce. Uh, how rude of me. Let me introduce the uh, other co-hosts with me here. We have the host of the spectacularly awesome podcast plane safety plane safety podcast pip thank you very much guys uh great to be here thank you so much and what an awesome couple of days we've had and we'll talk about that in a second yes we will and also joining us from here (laughs) we have the rambling man himself host of the equally spectacular podcast flying and life the host of that Dispatcher Mike. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. It's, it truly has been a great couple of days. Yes, it has. Okay, so as I mentioned, we're here for the total eclipse, uh, which occurred yesterday, and uh, it, mainly due to your inspiration and uh, your uh, suggestion that we get together and find a place on the line of totality. And uh, so, you know, many thanks to Pip for coming up with this great idea and Mike for coordinating the whole thing. And uh, he's just done an awesome job finding this place. And I'm going to let them talk now. You don't want to hear from me. So yeah, this for me, I got involved back in January when uh, Steph added me into a Twitter chat with Pip and her. And uh, he was just looking for places that where he can maybe stay and watch the eclipse and then I had the idea of, well, why don't we rent a house somewhere and all get together? And uh, we kind of did that. And uh, we really, really lucked out on the house. We we finally, when we got a total number of people, we uh, had to get a house that sleeps 15 because there there's 15 of us here um, between uh, us, our families, and Matt. So we pretty much filled up the whole house, uh, house with that. And uh, we really lucked out. We thought we were going to be, the house said it was in Seneca. And Seneca was still in the to- path of totality. Uh, but when we finally got the final address of where the exactly the house was, it, I mean, we're, literally, we're right on the center line. I mean, the house completely isn't on the center line. It's just 100, 100 meters into the water. But, I mean, you can't get any closer. Yeah, uh, 
we really liked out there. What a great location. And for me, this whole thing started a couple of years ago, in fact, because I knew this eclipse was happening. I thought, we've got to be there for that. So uh, we combined it with a trip to Disney. We spent the last two weeks at uh, Disney World, Florida, and had just a fantastic time. Uh, you, you know you've been there. It's, Disney's just something else. And then it's just been uh, topped off. The, the cherry on the cake, the icing on the biscuit, or any other metaphor to come up here for a couple of days with these guys. And this house is fantastic. We're, you probably can't see, but there's a beautiful lake out behind us. Uh, and the water is outrageously warm. Yeah, I didn't it, think it was possible to get water that warm in a lake. It's hot. I have a theory. I think the sun is only partly responsible for that. I think it's that nuclear power station on the other side of the lake. Yeah. And the uh, and the radiation is pumping out, is heating up the water. It's definitely the nuclear reactor that's uh, heating up the water. Can you see it now? No, like, no, no still not. it's the brightness, uh, yeah, the light. You won't see it. But trust us, it's out there and it's gorgeous. There's plenty of photos on Twitter, anyhow. Uh, so it's been great. The kids have been in the water. Um, not just us, of course. Steph has been here. She left yesterday evening. Um, Matt, Matt uh, MBF, and his wife and kids have been here as well. They left. They're on their way back right now, in fact, to yeah, they should be. They should be just getting airborne out of Asheville on the way back to Melbourne. So they'll be they, there, in, you know, somewhere about the next two weeks, they'll get home. They've got a horrible journey. They're going Charlotte, Chicago, no, LA, Sydney, or direct to Melbourne? Direct to Melbourne. It's uh, Ash, Asheville, Chicago, LA, Mel okay. Melbourne. Big wow. trip. Yeah. And, uh, and my gang, we're heading back uh, a little later this afternoon, driving back to Atlanta and uh, uh, BA flight back home arriving tomorrow. But we're going to enjoy these last few hours, kick out this little episode here with Jeff and then go and get in the lake ourselves. Again. Again. Because you never have too much swimming. Uh -uh. We've been spending our, our lives here in the water, which, as you mentioned, is just awesome. Yeah. And of course, there was the smaller matter of the uh, eclipse yesterday. Yeah. Oh, well, th th that thing. That thing that when it went dark and you all went, what's going on? <laughs> just uh, so everybody is aware, the the reason why we're doing this is it's just an extra episode. It's not our normally uh, normal weekly episode, uh, but I thought um, you know when we have uh, three or more podcasters together in one dwelling, that it's I think it's pretty much the rule that you have to get together and it's a and, compulsion. We it, it is fight yeah. it, and we owe it to you, our, the fans of these uh, aviation podcasts, to. Uh, be here for you. That's what we're here for. We're here for you. Yes. So, tell us, uh, yesterday, how did the day start? Uh, my child, youngest child, screamed and woke me up. That's how the day started for me. Yeah, I think mine started with pancakes. Thank you very much uh, to Naomi. Some delicious pancakes. No, you made the pancakes. I made the pancakes. Sorry. Please, She's please. taking the credit. Some very nice pancakes. Mm -hmm. What did we do? I think we went straight into the lake. Pancakes, uh, breakfast. Uh, we uh, inflated all the... Uh, my my hot air um, inflated most of along with Steph's hot air inflated most of the uh, inflatables for us to sit on, um, and then it was really just sitting around. Um, you went out to the store to get some stuff for lunch. That's um, right. I taught a, a little lesson with the kids about eclipses and made a couple of eclipse uh, viewers, and we got all the glasses ready so we, we didn't burn our retinas or anything like that. Um, so that's that's pretty much the day started, and then it was really just kind of sitting around and uh, swimming until. Until the uh, 108. 108 was the the start. Ooh, hello, was the uh, the start of the the partial eclipse. So I think uh, we we were almost there on time. We saw the very first sliver, the yep. little chunk of the the sun being eaten away by the the dark moon as it slowly slides across the sky. Uh, and the kids, uh, Mike, had made some very nice worksheets 
for the kids to fill out at uh, various intervals, half hour intervals or 15 minutes, whatever it was, to draw what they were seeing through the glasses and the the uh, in the boxes, the box thing that you made. It was pretty cool. And then it was just kind of hanging around and and waiting. At one point, uh, I was pulling my hair out. A cloud, a little Q cloud, drifted across and parked itself right in front of the sun. Yeah, so I was, was shouting, I'm like, Mike, do something! It, it <laughs> Call was, somebody! It was there for five minutes, and he he was literally just running around. He We almost had to take him and uh, put him in a straitjacket and, like, <laughs> calm down. It's it's one cloud. It's moving away. And uh, that was the only time the sun was obscured. It was probably about halfway to totality. Yeah. And uh, other than that, it was just a gorgeous, amazing day. Yeah, and then, so we all went, gathered down to the docks. Um, I guess it's, what, about 1, no, 2.15 yep. p.m., and and you could really start to notice then the the you know what's going on with the sun and the moon. It was gradually getting darker. A really eerie, a very strange darkness, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, it's not quite like dusk. It's, it's got a, a funny quality. You know what reminded me of? You ever seen the movies where they try to simulate that they're they're doing something at night? But you know yes, it's daytime, yeah. and they put some kind of a filter on the camera, yeah. right, to make it look like it's night. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, it was great. And then as totality approached. Uh, we started to hear the the bugs, the the crickets. Yeah, the cicadas, the the seventeen year cicadas are out uh, this year in the south. The, Yay! The, these are literally <laughs> bugs that their whole sole purpose in life is to uh, uh, produce offspring, and then it takes seventeen years for the offspring to come out, and that's literally all they do. So, oh, I didn't know. That. Literally, literally, the last couple of seconds, it's almost like a, a someone turned on a switch for the bugs, and the uh, totality happened. They were all screaming and uh, making their noises like they normally do. And the second that it got light again, boom, just off. They stopped, yeah. yeah. And the temperature, it dropped very, very noticeably. And, and Jeff and Steph were out on the lake in their in the floatable things. Mm-hmm. And you said it actually got pretty chilly. Yeah, it got actually very cold out there because uh, yeah. we were you know, wet and uh, just floating along the surface of the lake. Um, yeah, it was uh, almost eerily eerily cold yeah and then and then totality happened the, the lake there's quite a few boats out there a lot of other people had come down to see it and there was a big cheer and some whooping and a hollering as totality happened and well what did you think of totality it was absolutely amazing i mean we, we saw we watched one on nasa last year uh, just in on the laptop and you know you see it and then then you you see it in real life and you're like holy cow this is actually happening i'm actually watching this and this is just it's incredibly beautiful. I mean, it's so one of those high natural beauty things. I, I said it was the fifth most beautiful thing I watched because we you know I watched four of my kids get born. So uh-huh. that, that obviously had to be had to be you done have to first. Be didn't mean that. Yeah, smart man. Yeah. yeah, but no, it, it was it was gorgeous, incredibly natural natural thing to just uh, see and witness and watching the corona and just the just glisten there and you just all of a sudden you can just turn it off. Or uh, take off your glasses so you don't need them anymore because you've you've had your glasses on still you couldn't see anything because there's no light there's no yeah. light coming yeah out. yeah and you said it is uh, I, it blows me away just that you, know, you get this glimpse of the the natural world the just the, the mechanics of the universe and and how it all works it's just you know it's such a rare event to see I was watching the Corona and the Highlight. Yeah, <laughs> and the hop, drop, and roll, and uh, several other yeah. varieties. We had to the... yell out to him on the lake, "Jeff, turn around!" Like, <laughs> no, but it, I think it was cool. I mean, because the lake here, right on the center line, the the number of boats that came to just kind of dock and stop right on the center line, drop anchor, um, 
was pretty amazing. Some some of them right for the start of the eclipse, but when it came to the approach of totality, um, there was I, I would I would almost say fifty to one hundred boats just sitting from what si- we could see from what yeah, we could see quite a few. Uh, just here in the lake, and then there was one uh, obviously one seaplane because we saw a seaplane take off. Yeah, yeah, that was a seaplane. That was cool. But I guess all those people they'd probably listen to a, a podcast perhaps, and some guy preaching at them saying you got to be on the center line, you got to be on the center line, the, of the totality. And uh, I guess they got the message. But you can see um, that if you were not in the line of totality, how what a totally different experience it would be. You just wouldn't get right uh, the uh, you know the, the disc around the sun and the, the ring of fire because you saw it just as the moon yeah. moved away, just the tiniest like microsecond really, really of arc. Bright. You'd get this bright light. And, yeah, and that's yeah. probably what totally almost totality would look like. Right? Yeah, right. never lose that bright. Exactly. So even ninety nine and a half percent. It, yeah. It wouldn't be the same. Would, so to all you people who didn't heed the message and you settled for a 99% eclipse. Yeah. Losers. We told you. We told you. <laughs> good, good news is 2019 isn't too far away. You can fix your mistakes. You're just going right. to have to travel to the other hemisphere and see it. And then, yeah. And so who knows where we'll be in 2019, where we'll be in 2024. I guess that's the next one here in North America, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, but uh, for me it was um, just perfect. It could not have worked out better. No, the whole trip, the whole two weeks. I mean, I even thank Pip in the middle, just in the middle of totality. I'm like, dude, this was because of you. I got to see this, so thank you. Well, as as much as I'd like to take credit for the putting the sun and the moon in that particular place. (laughs) Oh, that wasn't you. That That wasn't me actually. That wasn't you. Misunderstood. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I same thing for me. If I hadn't listened to your podcast and your passion and excitement about the uh, total eclipse, I probably would have been just, you know, walking out the front door of my house in Roswell, Georgia, taking a look and seeing what was going on and, you know, wouldn't have been as impressive as what we witnessed here. So. Yeah, and that's great. And I'm so pleased all the kids got to see it as well. They'll oh, yeah. remember it forever, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I even pointed out to Maria. I mean, she, I know she won't remember it, but she was kind of intrigued. Like, well, yeah. what, but you what, got pictures and she'll see and she'll be able to maybe yeah. one day tell her kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry. When her kids are around, we'll make sure we drag them to an eclipse against their mother's will. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll do is uh, for the um, for the cover photo for this episode, I'll put that wonderful group photo that oh, yeah. uh, Pilot Pip shot out uh, in the back, and you can see the lake in the background and everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, as as you mentioned before, it was a much larger group. Uh, today, it's starting to dwindle a bit. Uh, you know, Matt and Nicola and their two beautiful little girls, uh, Evie and Charlie, were here all the way from Australia. Uh, they were here in the States for some other stuff as well, but uh, just happened to uh, work out that they were here during the uh, total eclipse and uh, it was great seeing them. And also Steph, Dr. Steph, but she uh, had to do something called um, something today. Um, what is it called? Uh, because of the W. It's a four-letter um, word. Um, work. Walk, walk, work. 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 Yes. Work. work. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So she had to leave last night. But I'm glad she – I really am glad that she was able to come because she lives on a lake at a lake house. That's her permanent residence. And she has all the gear, all the floaties, and including something that is called <laughs> the inflate-a-bull. B-U-L-L. Tell us about that. You guys had some fun yesterday, uh, late afternoon. Well, I don't know if we had fun because we couldn't get on the damn thing. <laughs> we couldn't get on because uh, there's something weird about the center of gravity here in uh, this portion of the U.S. <laughs> I, I honestly say, I honestly positively think that the uh, 
we couldn't get on it because our mass was too large and it it became too inflated for us to balance on it. I mean, I mean the skinny people like the kids and and Steph. I mean, Steph, she literally just jumped right on right on the bull and we could barely knock her yeah. off. But, but so what it was is this, this big inflatable thing. It's got like a big inflatable ring, probably with a diameter of I don't know six feet or so. Yeah, with a big inflatable bull. Yeah, in the middle of it. And you uh, you jump on it and you hold onto it with one hand and everyone else grabs it and shakes it <laughs> and tries and knocks you off. But uh, like I say, Mike and I, we lasted not long, <laughs> less than a second. Zero, I would zero, suggest zero seconds for me. Yeah, but uh, Steph was pretty. Yeah, <laughs> Steph was uh, very good. <laughs> and it turns out, as well as being a um, a skydiving pro and miss. Well, 2017, she's also the officially champ- the champion inflatable bull rider and uh, something of a diving expert as well. Yes. She gave us a little display of her diving expertise. Yes. And she, I think the pineapple was particularly impressive. I think, I think it was a watermelon. Oh, the watermelon. Sorry, watermelon. the watermelon dive. That yeah. was um, good stuff. I don't think we could top that. No. No, we couldn't. Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, great, great food here. Um Mike uh, and his lovely wife uh, have been responsible for a lot of it. Nicola, uh, the first yeah, day. Yeah, uh, Nicola, first day, had, had very delicious meat sauce uh, with some pasta. Thought it was an easy meal to start. Um, someone, oh. someone made a butt. Wait, yeah, I was going to say, we cannot pass over Jeff's, Jeff's butt. gorgeous butt. Thank you. <laughs> it really was something really to really had behold. to be here to see it. <laughs> no, they're talking about some uh, pork barbecue that I uh, smoked. Oh, I wasn't. Oh, you weren't? Oh, no. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, in addition to my spectacular bet, I also uh, made some pork barbecue. Uh, Uh-oh. Some. Podcast invasion. Uh-oh. She's kind of nervous over there. My daughter is uh, off to the side we'll looking see. at me, kind of wanting to come. Here she comes, Superman style. Uh, wait, wait. Oh, come oh, on, Naomi, uh, bring her over. She's nervous. There we go. Hey, my wife's on Say a hello. podcast. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Hello. There's Naomi and, and Maria, Maria Sophia. Sophia. She's great fun. She's so smiley. Hi. She's a huge aviation geek too, man. You yeah. see an airplane in the sky and she just stops and tries to find it. And she sees things that we, even we can't see. All right. Say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Very nice. So that's really what the whole last few days has, has been. Just a lot of great food. A lot of great uh, company with uh, the families, young families. This is something that I'm not used to. Uh, I'm, I've, I have not had uh, young kids around uh, in quite some time. Yeah, poor Jeff went outside this morning for a cup of coffee and nice and quiet. And we're sitting there finishing cooking breakfast and realize, oh, all four children are outside on the screen porch with Jeff. <laughs> and we said, should we rescue him? And we said, no, nah, no. no. <laughs> let him suffer. Yeah. And then he came back and he goes, well, it was quiet outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was plenty fun. Plenty fun. <sighs> so uh, what are your plans uh, from here on out? Uh, Pip, you've been here for a little over two weeks. Or... Yeah, a little over two weeks. So as I say, we, we fly home later tonight. We've got to drive across to Atlanta. Uh, typically, women. Urgh! Karen, has ch- Mrs. Pip, has chosen today to go shopping. So we have to leave a couple of hours uh, earlier than I would have liked to have done. So we need to find somewhere to stop and shop. Not like we've not had time the last two weeks to go shopping. Yes, Anyhow. please stimulate our economy yeah. a little bit more. Thank yeah, you. I'm happy to uh, get home. And then, uh, believe it or not, tomorrow I'm in the sim for four days. So straight back into the thick of it. Have yeah. you studied? Uh, so hard? Absolutely. Yeah. Very hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a, a nine-hour plane journey tonight to, there you go. to catch up. 
Time to cram. Yeah. Yes. I also go back to that four-letter work word um, tomorrow. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to be here here tonight. Uh, get everything all closed up here at the lake house. Spend some more relaxing time, and then I go back to work. Uh, back in the thick of it tomorrow night to sit there and manage airplanes and move people and airplanes around like little little pawns on a little board. Is that all we are to you? Uh, pilots and flight attendants, uh, you are, I say this all very jokingly, you are pawns in my little operational game. <laughs> we can we can move some pilots and uh, some flight attendants around pretty quickly. Okay. And what about you, Jeff? You've got some time off still? Oh, uh, yeah, I still, I'm, I'm technically on vacation this week, and that ends on Saturday, but I'm not scheduled to do anything until uh, next month, um, beginning of next month, but I'll probably try to fly something uh, next week when I'm off vacation toward the end of this, at the end of this monthly bid period. So we'll see. So I think we're all caught up. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, well, we're not going to do the coffee fund cause I didn't prepare that. And this is not a regular show anyway. So we, uh, are, although do you want to just sing the coffee fund? We can do that. I mean, I think that that would be fun. <clears throat> okay. So, um, um, I don't sing. Okay. Well, <laughs> do something that, uh, that resembles it. How about, Okay, here we go. The karaoke version. I don't know the words. You don't know the words. It doesn't matter. Just make them up. Okay. That's what I do. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the Java Java you love tea. Something to do and something else. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. I love Michael, I love Pip. We like Jeff. We're fond of him, we're fond of him. (laughs) I was trying to think of something that would rhyme with dip. Or Pip. Dip. We're going to take a dip. Uh, All right. That's enough. Those poor people that are listening to this, we apologize. Onion and a raw one. Do, do. <laughs> wait a wait a poke a later. I love coffee. I love tea. We love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Okay, that's enough. Well, that probably worked out better than you thought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> it must have sounded horrible to, be, to the people in the house because they couldn't hear the music. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> They're, what are they doing? When <laughs> well, Naomi's <laughs> come to the door, she's like, shush. What is that? What is that racket? <laughs> no, since his cat's howling. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that was fun. Good times. Uh, there's Dr. Bo Abrahamson in Denmark. Uh, oh yeah, he missed the whole the whole clips. Oh well. Myla says hello. Hi Myla. Uh, she is uh, she has a two hour sim session in about an hour, so she can't be with oh, us. But that's Myla uh, doing her seven three seven yeah. rating. I hope it's going well, Myla. Yeah. Hope you're working hard. I hope we get some discounts when you start friends and family discount. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need any discounts on that carrier, right? Uh, I mean, it's all already yeah, dirty. I guess so. Right? Okay. Uh, so what do you think? You want to like knock out a little bit of feedback? And yeah, then why we'll, not? Uh, why not? Okay. Pick some easy ones for us. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, we'll hit this thing. Feedback. 
going to start at the stop of the, uh, the the stop of the thack stop at the tarts uh uh-huh. the top of the stack uh this is from larry the geezer or excuse me the apg geezer or ap geezer uh, anyway he's in tulsa oklahoma sorry larry larry i keep messing that up uh he see it says seems like it was a few years ago this issue came up and quickly died but here we go green again so you know i didn't do any prep work here so i had to Press that link and see what it is that uh, he is referring to. Oh, the electric taxi, electric taxi system that we hear about every, I don't know what, six months to a year. Absolutely. It's going to save, save tons of money. Yeah. Why, why don't we see it uh, everywhere? Uh, Because another thing that's on the airplane that's going to break and uh, more weight and uh, just logistics. I mean, it's easier just to taxi out on an engine. Can I tell you, I've seen it before uh, for light aircraft. Uh, I've seen it in Zurich. They have a, a little... A remote control thing like that little robot in Star Wars that goes, mm-hmm. you know the one? Is it is it, it controlled comes. by somebody? Yeah, they got like a remote control, but so what's it, the, it wouldn't be too hard, I'm sure, to program some sort of GPS track for it to follow. And they, sorry, and they, uh, you know, they move it around the apron. So, so what is the so if you if you're using a a person to drive a tug and tow the airplane, or you're using a person to use the remote control thing to control the thing that's pulling it, I don't see. You're saying that maybe the future... I guess it's the fuel-saving okay. thing and the engine life. Because this was an electric mm-hmm. cut. You know, I don't know if that's going to work do, for Why not just use an electric tug with a person on it with a steering wheel? Um, pass. I don't have a good answer for that. I don't know. I don't, it just seems like uh, I'm not sure that this is something that's going to be... Well, who knows? Maybe we'll see a lot of this in the future. I mean, They had talked about like towing airplanes to the end of the runway. Yeah. And then starting up and then taking off to save fuel and all that kind of stuff. But that just seems like a logistic nightmare as well. And not an, also, you know, you have to warm up the engines. Well, that's it. I mean, what, what do you do whilst you're sitting there being tugged out on this thing? You can't do any checks, really. Mm-hmm. Well, not many. You know, you can't check any of your systems. Um, so it just would be a, a real rush when you get to the end of the runway to get engines running, get all your checks done and, and uh, right. get everything set. I mean, even Nick said that in a couple episodes ago when he got the shortcut it. At, uh, at that major Long Island airport. Yes. Oh, he got uh, the shortcut. He, you named know, after he, a president? Yeah. You know, he was, that was assassinated. <laughs> you know, he was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where he's like, holy cow, we got to hurry up and get this started because, you know, it's a five minute, five minute warm up time on the 330. I think mm-hmm. it's the same on the, yeah. around the 88. It's pretty much standard now at all, all the uh, Acme jets. Five minutes. Unless, you know, it's not the first flight of the day. We just need two on my jet. Right. So. I mean, it's a it's a lot of cool metal that you're trying to then you know you can't just go from cold to cold to 900 some EGT uh, in quickly that all those compressor veins and all that have to warm up. I think the most important and significant thing about this electro electric green taxiing system, all these ways to uh, save energy, powering it, it, it's all about the opportunity for us to play this. We're going green. We're going green. We're going to take care of the earth. We're going green. All right. Thank you, Larry. That was really the whole point of him sending that in, I think. And we thank you for that. We can't hear that song enough. You can't. Mm -mm. You want me to play it again? No, really. (laughs) I guess you can hear it enough. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. That we want to skip. Um, Oh, here's an interesting one. Uh, Adam. You want me to make that a little bit larger so we can actually read it? Could you? Because I'm it? struggling. Okay. You both got glasses on. There you on. go. Yep. You, you right. want to borrow them? 
Jacob. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh, that doesn't no, help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this is from Adam Reese. He said, hey again, APG crew. Thanks for reading my feedback. I wanted to tell a little story of one of my ELT searches a couple of weeks ago. Now, I believe Adam, he, he's out in the Bay Area, and uh, he uh, uh, works for law enforcement, I think. I'm uh-huh. not sure exactly. Anyway, um, so I wanted to tell you a little story of one of my ELT searches a couple of weeks ago. I researched a, a search and rescue, or I received a search and rescue call for an ELT that was going off at what I was, was presumed going to be a ramp check at a local GA airport. Um, the call came in about 7 p.m., and unfortunately our aircraft was in maintenance, so we couldn't fly, but I responded as a member of the or, a, a ground team. We eventually got an airplane up from another squadron about the same time we got to the local GA airport, but quickly discovered the ELT wasn't on the airport, uh, and we weren't picking up any signals on our direction-finding equipment. Then the air crew radioed back to us that it was off airport in a wooded area, and they reported seeing smoke. We got to the area about 15 minutes later and thankfully discovered it was a neighborhood and the smoke was from someone's burn pile. After triangulating on the signal, I discovered it was coming from a house. So at 10.30 at night, we started knocking on the front door, and as soon as I introduced myself and what I was doing there, he was quick to tell me he had thrown out his old ELT. So, after a couple of minutes of dumpster diving, we found the ELT and got it deactivated. The G switch, the uh, I guess the, the G-force um, activation switch, had triggered and activated the beacon. When I removed the battery, I noticed that the battery expired in November of 1998. Wow. And that's uh, pretty amazing. He said, check out the attached picture. I think I included it here. Yep, there it is. Proof. 1998, manufactured uh, in Canada, I guess, or Transport Canada approved. I'm not sure where it was made. Probably China. Um, I wanted to use this story as a PSA for two reasons. Someone will always come uh, come looking for you, especially when you really need it. That's good to know. Yep. And please remove your battery from your ELT before you throw it away, no matter how (laughs) old it is. That's kind of funny. Like, you know, it's a 1998 battery. Um, As an owner, I'm required to change that every two years. We have to change the ELT battery. And our ELT battery for our airplane is literally, uh, it's like four AA batteries that they've epoxied together is pretty much all it is. Really? And it's... It kind of looks like that. It's got the little wires that come out and plug in. But like when you open up and you you are like, really, this is four AA batteries. Why can't we just use four energizers and just say replace them every two years? You think they'd uh, be okay for two years? <laughs> yeah, because your ELT usually doesn't go off. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> Hopefully. Not. Although um, I hear it all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I suspect the majority of ELT activations are uh, erroneous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not unusual to hear it on... On guard on 21.5. That is um, true. Yeah, it was certainly at work we've had the occasional ones go off for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get a call at uh, 3 a.m. in the hotel from the company saying, hey, your ELT is going off. Can you go back to the airport and disconnect the battery? You have the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry, we can't. <laughs> we can, but we're not. Um, yeah, I set my ELT off on my commercial check ride. Oops. Oh. A hard landing. Yeah, it was kind of like it was kind of like a private strip, little dip in the dip in the runway, and it was just the point where the we were starting to lose, and the the runway went out and just smashed it, and then ELT started going off, and I'm like, oh, so that's when the ELT sounds like the G switch was activated. Yeah, and it was, uh, and after that, for the rest of the check ride, I'm like, well, I, I failed this. Let's see how this goes. And we get down at the last part. She goes, well, good job. Let's go sign your certificate. I'm like, okay. <laughs> 
Great. Talking of, um, just going off on a, a tangent here, talking of smashing them in, I, uh, as you know, uh, took a 172, rented a 172 the other week uh, for the first time in a long, long time in a light aircraft. And uh, I learned a couple of things. One is that uh, flying over here, GA, is so simple and uh, so much fun, uh, and ATC are so helpful. Uh, and the second thing I learned is that... You're being I, sarcastic? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I really am not. <laughs> it was great. You know, we took off from Orlando uh, Executive North, going to, I keep calling it Titsville, but I think it's called Titusville. Titusville. Yes. Titusville. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so we <laughs> went to, <laughs> sorry, family show. Uh, we went across to see uh, uh, the oh, space. Um, that was wrong. That's not the right one. No, but I think it might actually work out a little bit later. There we go. There's the censor tone. Okay. You have to do it again if I say Titsville one more time. Uh, <laughs> you got to, you got to give me more warning. Okay. Say, what was the name of the airport you went to? Titsville. <laughs> Very good. Uh, we, yeah, we went across to see the SpaceX rocket launch from Canaveral. Uh, Isaac and I, my seven-year-old, and we had a, a great time. But yeah, the other thing I learned was that I cannot land a Cessna 172 for love nor money. Uh, I'm surprised that things are flyable still. We did. You know, I had to do a, an FAA biannual uh, check ride. Uh, which is very good. And we went off and did some touch and goes. Maybe of the seven or eight that we did, I didn't get one of them. And we <laughs> bounced this way. We were uh, this way, and the instructor was going, "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> well, <you laughs> and I was the, going, "I'm going to get this. Just give me a chance." But you can always. You can always. That's why I told this story so you can press that. Thank you. <laughs> Coming down. Go around. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> anyway, but that was great fun. It was uh, very nice to go flying in a 172. Yeah, those little airplanes, you literally have to fly it all the way to the runway. And then well, the fly. first one, I, I pulled the power at like 30 feet, and it just went, dong! <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> yeah, all the way to the And the road. next one, I didn't pull the power at all, so it just wouldn't. Never you know, touched down. I pulled in the flare and it just went up again. It's like, no, that's not it. <laughs> it was a smoother landing. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, you just didn't touch the runway. But... Oh, well. So I need to work on that. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? I have no idea. That was oh. the end of ELTs. ELTs. Okay. And then, you know, you can test your ELT five minutes in the first five minutes of every hour, but only for three whoops. That, uh-huh. That's the official ELT test time. Ah, okay. Anything outside of that is, you know, they're going to come looking for you. I see. Well, that's what they say, right? Yeah. But apparently Adam, oh. Adam's one of those guys that comes looking for you. Yes. Oh, is, so if you need something from Adam, you just, you just, just, just set your ELT your up and sit back and wait. Although you have to be in the Bay Area. I don't know if ah. you can do it from anywhere. So if I do it from London, he's not going to come? Probably not. Adam, no. you're so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. This is from... Brett in Ohio, and he said, you're probably getting this from many folks, but I figured I'd send it anyway. And, uh, oh, I'm hearing. Sorry, that was me. Hearing from the past, or maybe the future. <laughs> um, I don't think I even, I've even looked at this article here. The, uh, headline What's the headline is from the Conservative Tribune. Uh, unidentified plane circled U.S. city for two weeks. Governor silent, or government silent, I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Step aside, UFOs, a different type of unidentified flying object has puzzled aviation experts over the last several days and has been circling over one of the largest cities in the United States. A mysterious aircraft has been drilling holes in the sky over Seattle for close to two weeks. While the plane is almost certainly military in or- origin, the Department of Defense has been almost completely silent about its purpose or mission. 
Oh, you know what? It's got to be. It's got to be chemtrails. Oh, oh without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. According to the drive, the transport aircraft is a uniform gray with no markings except for its cryptic tail number. Observers in the Seattle area have repeatedly spotted and reported the plane in public airspace and believe that it is operating at a Boeing field. Oh, you know what it also could be? Is Boeing is uh, big in Seattle, right? Maybe that's like some kind of an Airbus it's spy plane. Airbus spy plane. Absolutely. Uh, is, is that a picture of the, of the plane in question? no idea. What does it say here in this caption? It's got to be. Um, well, there's a picture of an airplane, a transport, a small transport. It's like a, a Casa, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, not sure if that's actually the uh, airplane or not. Um, oh, look, a CN-235, it says that. I well, don't know what that is. No, I don't know either. Um, though it seems indisputable that the aircraft is or at least was U.S. government property at one point based on its Air Force-style serial number, none of the obvious U.S. military organizations claim that they are aware of the CN-235 or its activities. Are you looking up CN-235? Yeah, I'm I, I, in the process. And they okay. say that was airborne for two weeks, continuously? I, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt, doubt it that. too. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's, it's using some kind of special fuel. It could be, uh, I don't think I'm giving you any state secrets, but it could be um, just a listening thing. We have uh, in London, based out of North Holt, there's a, a little Islander twin-engine aircraft that will spend all day just circling London. Huh. And it's got all kinds of mysterious UHF aerials and things hanging off it. There's a picture here from FlightAware, um, which is purportedly this aircraft, and it's literally flying in circles all over the place, over the uh, Olympian Peninsula. You see that over New York sometimes, too. Hmm. The, 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 you'll see a certain airplane literally just doing circles like that over New York yeah, City. Yeah, I mean, it could be survey, but it could also be, as I say, just a, a listening thing. It's kind of... Aerial, aerial survey calls. would be more of a... More like cornrows, farmrows, uh, back and forth closely. Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Not always. Well, if you were looking for us to come up with the actual answer. Then it's chemtrails. It's chemtrails. Chemtrails, yep. 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 That's uh, the uh, unanimous um, decision here. All right. Well, thanks, Brett. Uh, no, not, I think you were the only one that sent that in. So thank you for making us aware of that uh, secretive spy plane flying over Seattle. Now, this is probably something I should wait until um, Dana is with us, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, breaking news. Well, it was when I sent this feedback. This is from Mariana. <laughs> uh, New England Patriots are first to buy team planes. Yes, planes. Two airliners, Boeing 767s. At the, uh, at the least, one airline will be impacted by this move by the Patriots. I, I know which airline. I do, too. Yeah. And Act that... Uh that, that said football team didn't quite have their stuff ready so uh, for the preseason. So they came crawling back asking for some help. Well, we're getting the inside scoop. Is that why they ended up buying airplanes on their own? No, they, they bought airplanes on their own, on their, their own their own accord. They, you know, they decided to, you know, our, our craft decided to spend some of his money and wanted to put some big Super Bowl trophies on the tail of his airplanes. But ah. uh, they, they weren't quite ready. So there was a, there was a quickly, they, they came crawling back to their Former airline asking for some preseason charter help. Yes, uh, we're, we're all familiar with the uh, airline that was doing the charter work for. I think most, most if not all, the NFL teams. A lot of the NFL. I mean, yeah. um, even still, char charter business is kind of it's kind of very good. I mean, if you get a good team and you that you have a really good relationship with those teams, and uh, uh, the, the Acme has that whole uh, NBA thing 
where we have that very long-term contract where we operate their airplanes uh, for them. Um, but uh, even just less, uh, at the end of last uh, NFL season, American dumped, literally dumped like three or four teams because they didn't have the airplane allocation anymore. Uh. Because when, when we run a charter, we're really just stealing its ground time and it has normally. Um, like for the other day, we had a charter uh, Baltimore Green Bay back to Baltimore, and it was just using an overnight A320. And so the, the, that team actually uh, had two airplanes, had, a, had, a, had an Airbus, and they had one of the charter 75s. So they actually chartered two airplanes. But um, for, for the Airbus, it literally just used its normal ground time. So uh, the airplane was back about two hours before its normal normal first flight. So otherwise, the airplane wouldn't would have been sitting there just doing nothing, mm-hmm. except now we just used it and made money off of it. Excellent. So I don't know who are they just going to hire their own pilots, I guess, to fly this. I have no clue how they're doing it. If um, if they're going to do their own part one twenty one, part ninety one type thing, or if they're doing a, or if they've uh, wet leased them to somebody, yeah, to operate them for them. Uh, Marianne is quite a quite a comedian comedian uh, she said uh from a fan's perspective why didn't the patriots use that money towards lowering ticket prices <laughs> <laughs> because football oh, also is a business <laughs> how much is an average ticket price to see a big game <sighs> that's a lot of money i don't know i haven't been to an nfl game in quite uh, some time i think tickets start about 55 and that's for the upper deck up corner yeah it's, it's similar to soccer as yeah. you call it and for the big teams have... in the uk it's a lot of money yeah I don't think any UK teams have their own planes. Yeah, you know, there's a. I think they're the first NFL team. The uh, um, the Red Wings have their own airplane, and they share that with the Tigers. So um, they kind of share the share the airplane uh, there. They they used to have their own. I think they still have a seven two, um, but they might have changed that. Yeah, we don't do sports teams uh, where I work, but we have a lot of sports individuals, particularly golfers and uh, tennis players. Right. It's quite nice to meet those guys. They're all very nice. Yeah, you, you run into a lot of um, celebrities and yeah. sports and yeah. other celebrities, I guess, like yeah. And, yeah, movie stars. Almost and uh, 100% of them are all down-to-earth, very nice people. That's good to know. Almost 100%. Almost. <laughs> it's, it's always that 1%, right? <laughs> it's always that 1%. <laughs> Uh, let's see. She also said, um, did Boeing give them a better deal than offered by, she's wondering why they went with Boeing and not Airbus. And, uh, my guess, my guess is they're used aircraft. I'm pretty sure they're probably not new. Boeing 767 is old. You could probably pick them up for $20 each. Yeah. Maybe 50. $50. Okay. For two. Yeah. So, all right. Maybe they got a BOGO. Buy one, get one free. Yeah. (laughs) A BOGO Boeing. (laughs) Now this is really interesting. Uh, here, let me uh, zoom in here because um, I don't know. Maybe Pip might know something about this. Uh, I don't Let's really. Uh, but this was sent in by. Oh, is this attitude indicators? Yeah. Yeah. The Russian ones are, are yeah, backwards. Yeah, they're weird. They're, um, they're exactly backwards. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, this is Jules. He says, hi, Captain Jeff and knowledgeable crew at APG. And I th- he's, I guess, I talking hope, about you guys about as you well. Guys. <laughs> Uh, this is Jules, this time providing some interesting feedback about two pilots who gained most of their initial flight hours in Russian-style airplanes. Both lost their airplanes and all on board, and in a flash, they impacted either terrain or water at high speed. The first was a Saab 340 and liner, and the other was a 737-300. Both were lost just after takeoff at night and lost visual reference. 
the 737 captain called for the autopilot on in an in an unusual attitude, like a lot of others, including a 747 that almost lost it over the Pacific. I think he's probably talking about that Air China years ago. In unusual situations, since when can autopilots get you out of a high G maneuver? Since never, mm-hmm. unless it's an F-16. I think some of the systems in some of these fighter jets uh, are capable of recovering airplanes in uh, extremely unusual attitudes and G-forces and that kind of thing, but not in airliners. <laughs> yeah, that, In fact, anytime you get into an upset and uh, unusual uh, asymmetric, for, or not asymmetric, but uh, accelerative forces on an airliner or a, even a business jet, I think that one of the first things that happens is the autopilot goes, uh, I, I'm turning off because yeah. I can't handle whatever Absolutely. it is that's going on right now. Yeah, that's why we have humans there because we're supposed to know how to get out of yeah. a situation. And why we spend so much time in the sim practicing unusual or upset um, recovery techniques. Unusual. That would attitudes. be the last thing that I would think of is throwing on the autopilot when you were like completely discombobulated. Yeah. Uh, but I guess maybe he was so out of it he he thought this is the only chance I have is to throw the autopilot on and it didn't work. Uh, so anyway, he goes on. Coming from the Russian-style airplane with a Russian attitude horizon, the pilots had many successful flights in their Western airplanes until their accident. So I do ask the question. So I do ask the question: Why so many successful flights, and all of a sudden, uh, on a random flight or a random night, their minds think back to the times that they flew Russian planes and just completely lose it on a Western-style attitude horizon on a random flight? Perhaps a doctor could answer that. What? Doctor Steph, Steph, Steph. Are you yeah. here? Oh, we don't have a doctor. Sorry. Um, let's see. Below. So anyway, he goes on and he shows some graphics here about how attitude indicator. And I didn't know this. I didn't know that Russian airplane attitude indicators work in a different manner than everybody else's attitude indicators or artificial horizons in the world. And it looks like you know the Western um, system. The aircraft symbol is fixed to the aircraft and the horizon bar moves relative to the aircraft symbol. But on a Russian, or I don't know if they're all this way, but in some Russian airplanes, the horizon that is fixed to the, what does it say? Horizon bar is fixed to the aircraft and the aircraft, what does it say? It's kind of fuzzy. Uh, it moves. Well, explain this. Basically, you know? it's a little opposite. I mean, on the U.S., on the U.S., it's the you know the the airplane's fixed and the horizon moves, mm-hmm. and on the Russians, the horizon is fixed and the airplane moves. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it in a nutshell. It's basically it in a nutshell. But it's just the exact opposite of of what we are used to. Right, but when when you think about it, and you're like, why why did they revert back? And you go to you go to the um um. Uh, rules of learning and primacy and all that you you have your primacy you where that state of learning is you you usually remember what you learned first you know the first way you learn to do something is how you usually are always going to remember or revert back to do it and you know you know you said it, it, at night okay now you're possibly tired and you're you know mental uh you might not be all there mentally and so you just kind of Go to what you're normally used to, and then you know that could be one of the causes there. I mean, you go back to that whole primacy thing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're under a little bit of stress uh, to begin with, you your brain just snaps back to that. It's almost like instinct. You know, it's funny. I um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I did this very thing quite recently on the Hawker. After like ten years on the Hawker, I did something. I forget what it was, but I did something, and it was totally the wrong thing. I was like, man, that's what I used to do on the Beach 1900. 10 years ago why am i doing that now so it's weird it just 
you know, it just comes from somewhere deep mm-hmm. in your deep in that bit of the brain that's um, that is used for learning and, and right. uh, storing processes. And Sometimes somebody will call it a checklist challenge, and yeah. You know, you've been flying, I've been flying the same airplane for more than 15 years. And then sometimes I'll respond with a checklist response from the 727 mm. <laughs> that I haven't flown since the 1990s. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, where, where did that come from? And right. it's like, wow, <laughs> it's yeah, still it's, there, I guess, in, in our, our, our head full of mush. That's it. But if someone asked you, you know, the response oh, to that particular you. checklist, you go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but then one day it just pops out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty common, I think. As I say, especially under a stressful situation, mm-hmm. the, the mind has a tendency just to, to go back to, to the basics, yes. back to what it knew first. Uh, he goes on, uh, last but not least, another interesting item, talking about the Russians. When MH17, Malaysia Flight 17, was heading towards Ukraine, Putin's plane and the Malaysian Boeing intersected at the same point and the same echelon. That was close to Warsaw on 330M Echelon. I don't even know what that means. Uh, at a height of 10,100 meters. The presidential jet was there at 1621 Moscow time. The Malaysian aircraft at 1544 Moscow time. So it was, what's that, a difference in time of about 40 For minutes? About 40, 40, 45 minutes, yeah. yeah. The contours of the aircraft are similar. Linear dimensions are also very similar as for the coloring. At a quite remote distance, they are almost identical, I dare, I dare say. Very lucky that Putin's plane did not venture to the south. Um, so I guess he's got some uh, some graphics here, the route of flight and all that kind of stuff. I, I, is is the is what he's saying here is that maybe the airplane that they thought they were firing missiles at and trying to take down was Putin's? Uh, yeah, but, it, but uh, if you go down, it looks like Putin's plane is coming up over. Uh, but yeah, not even nowhere, anywhere near, near not even near the Turkey or the Ukraine area. Yeah. I don't know that that that's still MH uh, being shot down. Uh, still hits very close to home for me because yeah. I used to bomb, uh, not bomb, but you know, <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just used to mystery solved. Used to <laughs> throw, uh, We used to flight plan all of our our airplanes to Dubai and uh, and to um, Mumbai, right over that airspace all the time, and literally. And this guy changed their his route to match what the what the Western carriers do and how they how they fly through that airspace. So. Yeah, but this is nowhere near the, the yeah. Crimean region. Did we misunderstand right. the point of the email? I, I we may have uh, here. I'm going to back it up, and you can look at it again. Mm-hmm. See if we miss something. Jules, we need your help. MH17 was heading towards Ukraine. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the graphics a little bit different. Yeah, but, was, but that's, that's a long, long way close from to Warsaw. So I mean, yeah, yeah. So they're a little bit. A little bit further apart from when where MH17 was shot down over the Ukraine. Yeah, scroll down to that map again. Okay, please. Yep. Yeah, it's it's in fact hundreds and hundreds well, of miles. I guess what he's saying is it's a good thing that uh, Putin's plane didn't go further south down. Well, yeah. they knew better than to fly yeah. over that area. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they knew better. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Malaysia and many other airlines didn't know. Better yeah. to fly uh, we area. were regularly flying mm-hmm. across. I mean, we avoid it now, which is kind of a pain in the backside sometimes. But um, yeah, right up until the the day of the event, we were flying right across that top. Same thing. That we, area. We avoid it completely. We uh, there is no airspace that we can fly to that it, between the Mediterranean Sea and China. It's all closed off for us. There's no there's nowhere to go. If we need to go down that way, we we have to go over Saudi. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the two FIRs around Crimea. 
Yeah, but that are, that are closed. Acme and it's a pretty is, big bit of our space. Acme as a company has decided to just completely shut it, shut it all down. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, safety first, right? I guess. Um, so now I'm going to do something here. Hey. I'm going to go over to. There's Miss Maria Sophia. Hi. <laughs> I think you're supposed to be taking a nap, but you're not. Do you want to go in the lake? Throw her in. Throw her in. Do you want to go splish splash? <laughs> Go by mommy. Go get splish splash. All right. So uh, let me do uh, at least one more here. Um, I think that would be interesting to talk about. And I um, made an adjustment so that everybody could hear this on the on the tubes. Uh, let's see. I'll do the video. This is from. Uh, well, he's going to tell us. Hello APG crew, it's uh, Robert Hout here in Seattle. We are headed out on a cruise tomorrow and thought I would say hello in front of this uh, TransCanada Connie out in front of the uh, Boeing uh, Seattle Flight Museum. Uh, quite a lot to see. I'm going to share a bunch of uh, pictures out here as well and um, out here at Boeing Field. They've got a lot of uh, planes that are about to be delivered. Can't quite see it from the museum but you can see uh, a bit of that from the uh, I-5 uh, pulling in from the um, uh, the interstate there but uh, the rain is uh, kind of rolling in as was typical for Seattle but having a great time looking forward to uh, cruising up into Alaska uh, today with uh, mom and the other half so uh, thanks as, uh, uh, for all the uh, uh, nice podcast and uh, safe travels thanks okay that was uh, APG community member Robert and he lives in uh, Marietta he uh, joined us uh, at, yeah, at the, the baseball game baseball game when uh, Glenn was with us um what was that just uh not too long ago about a, about a month ago a month ago yeah and uh, he also included a bunch of um photos uh I'll, I'll put a link to his uh google drive where you can uh, see some of the photos that he uh snapped in seattle so thank you robert for and that was video by the way and which is also in that folder so if you want to actually see robert uh, doing that video there we just played the audio from it but uh, that's an amazing museum I've not been. Uh, we went uh, in November with my parents. We were picking up a, uh, a new Boeing jet to bring it home. I uh, got to ride on a new one on a delivery flight. And so we got there. I think we got there about 10, 11 in the morning, and we left at closing time, and we still didn't see anything. It's just a, you go, it goes through the history of Boeing, and then it has uh, across the street. It, it's on two sides of the street. I think they have three buildings there for the museum. Um, they have space stuff. They have original stuff they have fighter jet stuff and then they have uh the first 747 in there and one of the hmm. first and you know the 787 is sitting in there one of the i think it's serial number three is in in the museum they can't they can't use them they had to retire them because the the testing that they did on them so but no it's a really 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 cool museum and if you're ever in seattle give yourself a whole day to go through it there's a lot to go through okay have you been there I have not. No, I um, I went to the one in Dayton um, about 20 years ago, in 1998. But um, no, I've not been to the others. I'd like to go. All right. Oh, that L.A. Speed story went, went down. I don't know if I... Is that the one where... The oh, SR-71 pilot. Yeah. Oh, here. Should I play the uh, YouTube video? You totally should. To this, it? this is great. It's quite a long video. Okay, this is uh, Major Brian Schul, U.S. Air Force retired uh, SR-71 Blackbird uh, pilot. People ask, was it ever fun to fly the jet? And I told this story one time in Seattle 20, 25 years ago, and it became, you know, this urban legend or something. 
It's all true. One day, Walter and I are doing a little training mission around the United States, where you take off out of Sacramento, hit a tanker in Idaho, rip on up to Montana, zip across Denver, hang a right turn in Albuquerque, rip out over LA, up to Seattle, back into Sacramento, two hours, 21 minutes. <laughs> then you do it backwards, you're just gaining time and experience with your backseater. You're just learning how to work together. Building hours. Well, we're on our last training mission. We've made the turn at Albuquerque. We're over Tucson. I can see downtown LA from Tucson. I can see the whole Western United States bathed in a warm glow of a fall afternoon. Six in the evening, radios are silent. The air is smooth. Not a gauge moving in my cockpit. It is perfect. I can see the whole chain of the Rocky Mountains from Canada to New Mexico. And I'm going to see all this scene and it's all perfect. And I'm thinking, we bad. <laughs> and I feel sorry for Walter because he has to monitor five radios in the back seat. So I flipped the switch up and those of you that fly know that what I'm about to say is true, that centers that control all the traffic, when you fly on United or Delta and all the centers are controlling you, Albuquerque Center, LA Center, Seattle Center, Cleveland Center, Jacksonville Center, it all sounds like the same guy because they all talk really cool and they want to make you feel cool as a pilot so they don't just talk normal and I, I swear it's the same guy but we kind of like it so whenever you ask them a question you're going to get talked to like you're somebody important those of you that fly Cessnas on know that hey uh, that sounds cool well we flip up the switch and sure enough this is in the pre-GPS days people always want to know their ground speed because they get lost and they, they got to get their position well, who knows there's always some Cessna guy, it's got to know his ground speed. Uh, LA Center, or Cessna November Alpha Tango, have you got a ground speed readout for us? Now, Center would like to say, hey, pal, who cares? Get our frequency. We got other things. But no, he's going to talk to him like he's Air Force One. Cessna November Alpha, we show you 90 knots, 90 knots on the ground. That's how they talk. I'm not making this up. Right after that, a twin bonanza popped up to pimp the guy, I guess. Uh, uh, twin beach, uh, whatever, you got a ground speed readout for us, Center? Center is probably thinking, God, it's Friday afternoon, why me, God, please go away. But no, he's going to talk to him like he's, you know, a shuttle astronaut. Twin beach, we show you 120, 120 knots on the ground. Right after that, a Navy F-18 out of Lemoore popped up on frequency. And you knew it was a Navy guy because <clears throat> he talked very cool on the radio. <laughs> Center Dusty 5-2 speed check. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Dusty 5-2 has a ground speed indicator and a million dollar F-18 cockpit. He's got it right there in the heads up display. Got it right there. In the... Why are we calling Center to broadcast our speed? Oh, I get it. We're just the meanest, baddest, fastest military jet in the valley today. We're taking our little Hornet jet over Mount Whitney and ripping across Death Valley, and we want everyone from Fresno to the coast to know what real speed is. And you can almost hear a little glee in the controller's voice, like just, just a touch, like we've put an end to this. <laughs> Testify to, we show you 620, 620 knots across the ground. And it was that across the ground, see that, it was that little, we've had enough of this, I don't want to hear anybody else now. And there was silence on the radio. There wasn't an airliner from Seattle to San Diego that wanted to be next on frequency. Just an etiquette thing. 
and a 12-year-old was reaching for the microphone. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, Walter's in charge of the radio, so uh, no, it's the Navy, they must die, they must die now. <laughs> I thought, no, but if I do that, I'll destroy all the training, and I, I want us to be good crew. And I, at that moment, I heard a click of the mic button in the back seat. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Walter and I became a crew at that moment. In his very best innocent Cessna voice, Walter, uh, LA Center, Aspen 3-0. Have you got a ground speed readout for us? You can almost hear a collective gasp on freak from everyone. Like, oh, the poor fools, I didn't hear the previous transmissions. And Center had to give you that same voice. Aspen 3-0, we show you 1,942 <laughs> knots across the ground. It was like a little glee in his voice. And I knew I was gonna like Walter for the next four years is when he came back and said, Senator, we're showing a little closer to 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know we never heard another transmission all the way to the coast. So for just a moment, it indeed was uh, fun flying the jet. Most of the missions were highly serious, fatiguing, dangerous, scary, and very rewarding for what we were able to do. We, Berlin Wall came down on our watch. Gaddafi uh, was silenced on our watch. And we saw the Soviets uh, flail. Uh, Reagan knew how to use this airplane and used it well. We were proud, proud to uh, do it. So All right. So uh, we'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah, there's a video going around Facebook, too, where someone took his audio and put uh, photos to it, too, like a little Cessna. And then uh, the uh, this, uh, this the air traffic control scenes from Close Encounters for the third time. Those photos are in there. It's it's just really done. But every time I listen to that story or hear about it, I or see it come across a feed or something, I have to listen to it because it's a it's true and b it's it's very very funny. It really is. We've all heard that story a lot of times, but I'll I'll hear it again and, yeah. and laugh. And, Always and great. That's to a hear. great story. <laughs> Hey, we're at this uh, beautiful lake house on Lake Kiowee in South Carolina, and several of us got together. Uh, many of the uh, folks here, well, all the folks here, part of the APG community, except for our significant others, uh, they just put up with us. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to quickly uh, record something uh, with Matt and, before he leaves, because he's going to have to hit the road here pretty soon. So. Uh, I, I corralled him over here in the corner before he left and uh, want to make sure that we uh, talk with him. But Matt, so uh, you came here all the way to South Carolina just for the eclipse. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. came into South Carolina just for the eclipse, just to come down and see you guys and spend uh, 24 hours and have a bit of fun with you guys. Cause we, we all uh, hang out and chat all the time, all from around the world. And it's just a great opportunity to uh, just make an hour's drive down south to uh, cross the border into South Kakalaki and Spend some great time on Lake Kiwi with you and uh, the other guys. It's been great. Wait a minute. I thought you came from uh, Australia just here to see the eclipse. Well, that's true, actually, because we've been planning this thing for a long time, and it uh, it kind of helped with our timings of our flights to uh, to coincide it with the eclipse to uh, to make our, make our way from Melbourne, you know, via LA to Detroit, and then down to here for, um, for the eclipse, and it's just been the most amazing experience. Well, if you haven't gathered, I'm using a lot of sarcasm here. He didn't come here just for the eclipse, uh, but I think that that was an important part of it. I know that he came for a lot more important things, but for us, 
in the APG community, the best part of his trip over here to the States was him coming over here to uh, Lake, is it Kiwi? Kiwi, I believe. Kiwi, yeah. And uh, anyway, so we're probably, what, an hour and 15 minutes away from or since the uh, total eclipse. And we're right here on the center line of the, of the uh, totality of the eclipse. And uh, tell, tell us, what did you think about that? Actually, it actually was quite an, an amazing experience, and you know, when, when it was going on, I thought thought about many things, and you know, it's uh, on many different levels, whether it be a spiritual level, a, a scientific level, or just you know, time and space of of the universe putting us all together in one place at this particular point, and and it was just a a, a great group of friends together with with the APG community, and you know, just to, to share each other's. Uh, yeah, company and, and on such a an amazing occasion. I mean that that was you know once in a lifetime kind of experience, I believe, and I'm so grateful to be here with everyone to experience. It was fantastic. Well, you know that actually is the best part of the whole thing was just getting together with uh, like-minded uh, folks, and then the eclipse was just kind of gravy, you know, gravy on the potatoes or whatever you want to call it. But uh, so what was what was your um, what struck you the most about the uh, the total eclipse well it's just how everything time kind of slowed down a little bit you know leading into it and that you know started to get darker and darker and it, and it threw out the cicadas and all the lights that are triggered by low light levels went off and it, you know there was iridescent colors in the in the grasses and in the clouds and 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 as the moon passed across the sun you know we got to see a few stars in the sky and it was just it was just surreal it was just absolutely surreal it's just you would never that's my daughter, Charlie. What do you think, you Charlie? Charlie? You want to say something? No. No. It's like, <laughs> so it was just, yeah. So that, that was, you know, taking the glasses off for a second, you know, looking at Pip, who's been just so into this for the last couple of years, and, and, and Mike, and seeing you guys out on the lake. It was just, you know, it was amazing. Just, you can't, it's one of those things where you have to take a snapshot in your mind's eye and just remember. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be able to share it. It was just amazing. It was so awesome meeting you in person. Of course, we I, I feel like I've known you for forever, but uh, but getting a chance to meet you in person and also to get you, to meet your wife, Nicola, and your two daughters, beautiful daughters, Evie and Charlie. Yep. And uh, so they're, they're just the, the most, they're cute as a button. Um, yeah, they're going to be, uh, they're going to grow up to be great people, I'm sure. So uh, anyway, just wanted to kind of, you know, let everybody hear you uh, here and your impressions of this whole thing, and I think they uh, they got a good of a good idea of uh, how you feel about this whole thing. Well, thank you, Jeff, for uh, for, for taking this time to to record this. It's um, it really means a lot to be able to catch up with you and everyone, and uh, we've been you know good friends now for a long time, and it's just great to be able to get together and give each other a bit of a slap on the back and a handshake and and share a beer. Absolutely, it was awesome. Godspeed. And you too. Hey, anybody in the chat room uh, have a question for us before we wrap this thing up? I know we've been at it for about an hour, a little bit more, so we don't want to take up all your time uh, today. And I know that I don't want to take up you know, your time, especially, uh, Pip, because uh, I'm sure you want to get back in the water before you head out today. Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay. Do a so, couple of half watermelons into the lake. I'm going to practice. I'm not sure I could yeah, you know, pull it off like Steph. But. Never seen a watermelon dive before until yesterday. I, and I wish I'd videoed that. I, I yeah, know. it was quite <laughs> something, <laughs> especially my viewpoint, my vantage point. I bet it was. <laughs> <laughs>
I've never seen Jeff's eyes so wide. He's like, whoa. Well, I've never seen anybody dive like that before. It was uh, it, basically it's a uh, upside down cannonball. I mean, it's, it's a head first cannonball. Yeah, head first cannonball. It was something to see, that's for sure. Let's see. Um, anybody uh, want to uh, ask us something before we uh, before we end this uh, thing? No. Uh, <laughs> She's been listening. She's listening to us. Uh-oh. It was very graceful. HR HR's back in the beautiful. house. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, let's see. Anyone around in IAD? Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Nev's going to be in uh, the Dulles area, Fair Fairfield, is it Fairfax? Fairfax. Uh, Fairfax, uh, Virginia on the 12th or 13th of September for a meetup. Um, I was hoping to bid a trip with a layover there, but I didn't get that trip now. So I'm still trying to work things behind the scenes, see if I can get up there for that. But, uh, um, yeah. So anybody out there listening to our voices, if you uh, are going to be in the Dulles, uh, Fairfax, Virginia area on the 12th or 13th of September, uh, contact us and we'll put you in touch with, uh, Nev. Of course, you probably already know how to get in touch with Nev on your own, but whatever. Uh, how do you calculate a rotate speed when doing touch and goes? Really, Tony, that's your question. As we're about to wrap it up, that's your question. <laughs> I, 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 on a Beach Musketeer Cessna 172, it's the same speed. It re- really, it's the same rotation speed. The only thing you're missing is you don't have to sit there and wait, you know, wait to get to the same speed. So um, for at least on me, uh, on my airplane, the the approach speed and the, uh, and the takeoff speed is pretty much, pretty much the same. So, I mean, you, you hit the ground, you maybe uh, on my airplane, you hit the ground, you uh, lower the flaps right away. You make sure your mixture and the throttle, uh, mixture and the boost pump are still on and then just pop the throttle back in and away we go. Uh, don't do it very often on the Hawker, but I guess we would still have our V-Ref speed displayed on the speed tape. Um, so something close to that. The last time I did a touch and go in an airliner, uh, was when I was checking out as a co-pilot on the 727 back in 1990 or 91. I have no idea. And I was just a student, you know, trying to learn how to fly the airplane. So I'm not sure at all how they, because the line check airmen, um, once we touched down, took control of the airplane and then flew it back up. So Flew it back up. Yeah. Do you know what, Tony? Uh, I'm might be doing some touch and goes in the new jet in a few months. So I'm going to ask the question of the, the line training captain and we'll find an answer. Do you call V1? I don't think so. Yeah. On a touch and go. I, I don't I know. think so because you're already well past it. Yeah. 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 I know, I know the beautiful A350 just did a series of touch and goes this past week in Cincinnati for pilot training. And it's, it's just, it's a strange sight to see, to see a wide body jet uh, doing a touch and go. And, you know, for, I mean, because on, on an airliner, the configuration is so, so different. I mean, for me on, on the beach, it's literally, you know, you've seen it before, Jeff, the flaps are literally just a handle in between my, the seats. You, do, you just press the button, let them fall, flaps come up and away you go. But I mean, you're going from flaps four to probably flaps one or two in the, uh, in, in the A350. And then you're still, you're still moving down the runway at that time. So the fact that you said the line check guy took over and then took back off, maybe you, maybe you are taking off at a, at a higher than normal flap setting. Yeah, um, I don't know. We were using la- we were using uh, flaps thirty on the seven two, which is a standard flap setting. Uh, I'm not sure if he re 
adjusted the flaps to like flaps 15, I think, was, which was the standard um, flap setting for the 727 while we were rolling down the runway. I do know that we didn't have to worry about auto spoilers because we didn't have them on the <laughs> 727. But I'm thinking now on a modern airplane, almost all airplanes now have auto spoiler systems, uh, auto speed brakes. That that's something that you would make sure that you did not arm, right? Because uh, once those things come out, you can't. You're you don't stopping. do a touch and go. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're stopping. stopping. Yeah, so. I remember doing the base check on the Hawker. the The training captain had a like a little mini checklist on his knee, so you touch down, do all the stuff, and then put the flaps back and uh, the speed brake back, and you quickly run through a checklist and give you a thumbs up, and then you shut all the that power happening and go within again. like five to ten seconds, huh? even less. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Good question, though. Uh, but uh, basically, the answer is how do you calculate all that? I don't know. Um, we need Rick for that. Yeah. Uh, Micah says, uh, what day are you planning the regular APG for this week? Uh, I don't know. Either either tomorrow or Thursday, probably. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Probably one of those days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very high likelihood. One of the days that ends in a Y. Mm-hmm. I'm still actually trying to determine from all the uh, co-hosts you know, when would be the optimum time for uh, for, for doing that. So, uh, we'll, we'll let you know as soon as we know, uh, probably give you about an, uh, 15, 20 minute, uh, head heads up time before we start. Absolutely. Be on your toes. Plenty of lead time. <laughs> get, 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 uh, get the, um, uh, push notifications, download the go. APG app. Absolutely. S- set Absolutely. an APG notification in Twitter. So every time they tweet, you get it a notification. That's right. So, Hey, before we wrap it up, um, as I said, uh, just, uh, an honor for me to have, these great hosts of their own great aviation podcasts. Let's start with Pip. Tell us about your show and what you can expect to hear there and um, all that. Well, it's called the Plane Safety Podcast. You can find it on the internet. Go to the internet.com. The internet.com. Mm-hmm. PlaneSafetyPodcast.com. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I try and push one out once a month. That's what she said. <laughs> well, I think there's something. <laughs> uh, no, that wouldn't be appropriate. No, no this would be appropriate. I think. Once a month, regular spot quirk. Wow, <laughs> just once a month. Okay, uh, and we talk about all sorts of things. You'll you'll probably hear Captain Al on there as well, making a noise, something like uh, this. this. Gonads are useful for their purpose, but <laughs> I, they are I was, no I was thinking substitute that one. for brain. Okay, it's normally what Captain Al says. <laughs> yes, that's that is much more appropriate. Yes. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, there'll be another episode out uh, at some point in the near future. So please do listen. It's an awesome show. And uh, how long have you been doing it now? I don't know. Several years. Yeah, three years at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not many episodes. I think we're only up to 40, I forget, 45 yeah, or something. You go into so much depth and, and you know, it's a topic-driven show. You know, I, if, if this were a topic-driven show, I would have quit years ago because Episode it would have been 10. way too much work. Yeah. But um, anyway, excellent show. If you don't already listen to and subscribe to Pip's wonderful show, please do. And again, we'll put the uh, link to how you can do that in the show notes. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. And of course, Mike, Flying and Life podcast, uh, another excellent aviation show. And this guy is a, what did uh, Dave say? You're a, a, a podcasting maniac or a podcasting monster or something like that? Yeah, right? podcasting maniac. Uh, flyinglife.com, Twitter, at Flying and Life uh, Normal shows are just uh, basically about that, some sort of flying and then some sort of uh, some sort of kind of catch up on the life. So it's kind of like a two part show. And then um, 
then I go to these weird things called air shows, like uh, Sun and Fun and Oshkosh. Uh, they give me a media pass, so I get in for free. So I figure I have to do work, so I do work and usually do a uh, a nightly podcast after that uh, after that show. Uh, so those are uh, those are fun to do. Go around uh, getting interviews for people, uh, seeing the show, seeing air shows. Um, that's really fun. But uh, um, yeah, but no, that's that's basically the the gist of the gist of the show. How many did you do for uh, Oshkosh? Five total. Uh, we did five total for Oshkosh. Four right when you were there, and then five. Yeah. Uh, number five was after. Yep. You guys got home. Yep. And number five was a a couple of days later. A recap. Yeah. Awesome. It's just uh, if you can't make it to these great air shows, it's uh, almost like being there, listening to Mike and his interviews and. Uh, participants and you know other aviation enthusiasts as well and that's pretty much why i want to do it i mean i know not everyone can get to an oshkosh you know not everyone can get down to a sun and fun but i kind of want to get the kind of bring the the atmosphere and the flavor of what that show is to two people um you know david phil with the airplane airplane owners podcast he did that uh one year for oshkosh their short 20 minute you know just kind of recaps on what he did for the did for the day but uh, you mm-hmm. know um I kind of like how I did it at Oshkosh, having a group of people, because so we could all kind of talk about what we did in a different, what everyone else got out of that part of the day, which was, it was good. It was enjoyable. You need to listen to those, uh, especially if you want to learn about um, ice coolers uh, made from a... Coffins. Coffin. <laughs> yeah. Or casket or whatever you want to call it. Casket beer. Be beer. Casket full of beer. Yeah. Yeah, pretty amazing. So anyway, um, flying and life. And you can find it flyandlife.com. Yep. Thank you. All right. And uh, I guess we can wrap it up. If you want to watch and listen to the APG show, uh, head over to the uh, website, airlinepilotguy.com. And uh, we're on social media at APG Crew. And uh, we also have individual Twitter IDs. We have a Facebook page, uh, Airline Pilot Guy. And let's see, I guess we should uh, talk about Slack as well. Can you? I think he's, he's, he's just coming. finishing in the bathroom. He's, he's coming out. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Come on, Will. Let's go. Make sure you wash your hands. <laughs> All right. Here he is. Come here. He needs to use this microphone here. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan meetups and events. To get into the Slack team, please send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at H-I-1-1-E-1 and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel at H-I-1-1-E-1 and see you in Slack. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hillel, for uh, for joining us uh, today and now you can go back to wherever you were hiding. Back to the suitcase. You know, I didn't even know he was here. We've been here for a couple days. Yeah, I didn't even know he was here either. <laughs> Still in your suitcase. <laughs> Forgot to take him out. Anyway, so we had fun. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this extra show and uh Keep tuning in, subscribing uh, to all of our shows. And uh, until then, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care. God bless. Bye, everyone. See you, everyone. Good day. a good, good pilot. 
Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline hired guy I fly Cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, I guy I fly views and opinions expressed on the airline pilot guy podcast may not represent the views opinions or policies of any airline real or fictionalized mentioned implied or accidentally slipped by any of the participants guests or feedback providers you may or may not have heard may or may not believe you may have heard on this or any prior episode of the airline pilot guy podcast